Hi, I'm Dr. Ellen, the Midlife Whisperer, and I hear you and I've got you. Think of me as the one-stop shop for all your midlife needs. I'm a psychologist, registered dietitian, nutritionist, board-certified health and wellness coach, and mindful self-compassion teacher. I'm also an author and podcast host with over 30 years of experience empowering midlife women. Hey, everybody, welcome to Rock Your Midlife. Dr. Ellen here, the Midlife Whisper, and I am back live. I was in beautiful Costa Rica for three incredible weeks and having the time of my life. I'll share a little bit more about that in a moment, but want to welcome all of you. If you are new, if you're a new listener, welcome. This is the place to be like midlife's hot right now. And I don't mean that literally unless you're going through menopause, but Truthfully, um, we are really, midlife women are roaring. I mean, we have midlife women running for president. If you watch the Super Bowl commercial, there were two commercials about menopause. It was the cover issue of the New York Times a couple of weeks ago. Midlife is all of a sudden, like, it's cool, it's hot, we're talking about it, and this is the place where it is all happening. Um, I want to welcome listeners from Germany, Spain, Netherlands, Mauritius. Welcome, Mexico, United States, Australia, Canada. It's so awesome to have you here on the show. And, you know, today's show, we're going to talk about one of my favorite topics, um, your body and food, because at midlife, let's face it, we struggle with those issues. You know, you, body image, negative body image doesn't go away when you all of a sudden hit 40 or 50 or 60. In fact, it can get worse because menopause can create a situation where you're putting on a few pounds, your waistline's expanding, maybe your hair is thinning, you're getting wrinkles, you know, and you're not exactly craving carrots. You really maybe want to just get some salty food or some ice cream, and it can be a real challenging time. And research really shows that midlife women experience negative body image. So we're going to be talking about that today. And we're also going to be giving you some really amazing ways that you can change your eating habits. We're going to be talking with Alexander Gershberg about transitioning to a plant-based diet and then we're going to be talking with psychologist and registered dietitian, Dr. Supatra Tobar, about how to let go of diet culture and tune into yourself instead. Um, because there's so much you can do with diet. I know with a lot of the women that I work with, moving towards a plant-based eating pattern, it doesn't mean you need to be a vegan, but you can, is so powerful in terms of really helping your overall body, helping you with some even things like hot flashes in Japan, they don't even have a term for hot flash because they eat so much soy that they don't experience it. And I know a lot of my, my patients, my clients, when they transition to more of a plant-based way of eating, they feel so much better. They stop struggling with their weight. You can eat as much as you want to a large extent because plant food really does fill you up without filling you out. And it's just a wonderful way to eat. So we're going to be talking with Alexander about that. He's got a beautiful new book that I have here. It's called Plant-Based 80 Nourishing uh, Unami Rich Recipes from the Kitchen of a Passionate Chef. Really a fun book to cook from. Um, so you want to stay tuned to that. I want to tell you a little bit about my new Rock Your Midlife community. If you're enjoying the show, I'm taking the next leap in my midlife rocking it. I have actually created a new Rock Your Midlife community 
that so far we're almost up to 20 people. I'm looking to grow that to 100 by the summer or so. Place where you can get support for everything from how to eat right, how to move your body, how to deal with stress, how to work on those relationships, how to transform your career, how to have more joy, more fun, more confidence, and more energy. So check that out. It's on my website, which is themidlifewhisper.com. That's themidlifewhisper.com. Just click on the community page. You'll find out more information, and you can always reach out to me if you've got questions. So I want to tell a little bit about um, Costa Rica. My goodness. Um, talk about hitting reset, rocking your midlife. This was my first big three-week vacation uh, traveling, I think, of my midlife. I've got a great man in my life. We rented a car. We went all over the country. We saw volcanoes. We went whitewater rafting down the Bacari River and stayed at the Rios Lodge, which was off the grid. You can only get there by whitewater rafting. We went to the Caribbean coast. We went to Manuel Antonio. Boy, did we eat a lot of produce. I know that, um, Alexander, I'm sure you can relate that... Um, my God, the avocados, the cabbages, the sweet potatoes, the, the beautiful produce. There are all of these produce stands just along the side of the road where you can get like the papaya of your dreams. So I think that's my new favorite oh. fruit and food mm -hmm. is papaya, but it was an amazing time. And I have to say, if you're kind of on the fence, you've got a dream in midlife, like traveling or changing careers, writing a book, joining that gym, whatever it is. Don't let fear stand in your way. I was terrified of like traveling. Like when we bought the tickets, I'm like, all right, we're going to do this. I'm going to bite the bullet. And it was so fun. It was just, it was a great time. I grew so much individually, just having more confidence in myself and really getting to know new people and having amazing experiences. So I encourage you to, to really um, do that thing that's been on your vision board. And I just want to talk briefly too about the, um, the body image issue, because I was someone at midlife who really struggled with body image. And I thought I was a personal fitness trainer at the time. I thought that if I starved myself and I exercised to death, I literally was working out four to six hours a day with all my clients. I would get the perfect body and I would love my body, but it didn't work. What mm -hmm. ended up happening is I exhausted myself. I burnt out my thyroid gland. I got Hashimoto's disease and I had to do a lot of soul searching. And fortunately, as part of my PhD um, research, I was fortunate enough to study self-compassion. And I did my research on self-compassion and body image in women. And I learned that what my research showed is that practicing self-compassion being nice to yourself, treating yourself like a good friend actually improves body image. So my six steps when I work with women around body image are first practice self-compassion. You don't need to change your body to change your body image. Get support. So find other women who want to transform their body image, their relationships with their body. Join my community. We'll be doing that. Uh, listen to your body. So diets teach us to follow a piece of paper or a specific workout instead of listening to the wisdom of your body. Challenge those negative beliefs. I watched another movie. The, the title had Leo and it was with um, Emma Thompson. And it was about her midlife awakening sexually, which was amazing. And she shows herself naked in front of a mirror in the movie. And she's beautiful. It was on the Hulu channel. 
And I was just like, yeah, we can be beautiful at midlife. We don't look like a, you know, 19 year old waif, but who wants to? And so challenging those beliefs around what is beautiful, practicing intuitive eating, and also finding joy in your movement and have fun in the kitchen, eat what you love, play with your food. And speaking of that, I'm going to introduce our first guest because I know this is a man who is passionate about having fun in the kitchen. He is Alexander Gershberg. He's a chef. He's a cooking teacher and a cookbook author. Since 2011, his mission has been to inspire the world to eat more healthfully and for healthy food to become more sexy. I love that. Alexander was born in Russia. He grew up in Israel and he has been in Amsterdam since 2006 and an amazing country with great food. And he has developed a unique cooking style inspired by his native cultures together with a healthy approach to cooking and nutrition. His dishes, and I have his book here, it's gorgeously uh, illustrated with beautiful photography. So I know his dishes are colorful, original, and very varied in his use of different flavors, ingredients, and cooking techniques. The result is intriguing, surprising, and feel-good, nourishing, and always delicious. Alexander believes that by eating in this way, people will be happier, healthier, and live more in harmony with other people and their environment. Welcome to Rock Your Midlife, Alexander. So good to have you. Nice to be here. Thank you for having me here. Yeah, from Amsterdam. So my Al, I have an Al, my oldest, and they live in Amsterdam as well. So it's a, it's a great city. I have to visit what a soon. Wow. Yeah, lovely, <laughs> lovely place. But I want to start off by, you know, the show is so much about um, transitioning, making changes. And I know that you transitioned from being a dancer to a chef. And I'm so curious about how that came about. How did you like change your... I guess your dance shoes for uh, Cuisinart and uh, chef's knives. So uh, I came to Amsterdam to study dance, modern dance. I used to be a modern dancer. And uh, I, I followed the bachelor of four years to become a dancer. And during my dance studies, I suffered from a skin sickness that I couldn't cure in any way. I went to doctors and I took all kinds of uh, medicines and it went on and on for many months. It was very uh, painful and I had to struggle a lot with it. And then I uh, heard about the macrobiotic diet from a colleague of mine and I tried, I didn't know exactly what it was. I just knew it was more kind of whole foods, plant-based diet. And I tried few principles and then the skin sickness went away within one week. Wow. And in general, I started to feel much more energized, stronger, um, more flexible. My colleagues started to tell me, hey, what are you doing? You, you look so much better. You're in a better mood. You're a nicer person. Um, I started to sleep better. So then I started to read more and to research more about whole food plant-based diet. And I saw that also uh, next to traditional medicine like macrobiotics, also modern research, honest research is talking about it. Also in the U.S., there are many... Uh, doctors and organizations were um, researchers who are speaking about the whole foods plant-based diet and uh, I wanted to inspire the world basically to eat healthier to feel better because I realized it has a lot of benefits next to healing my skin sickness uh, it can prevent a lot of sicknesses it can even reverse a lot of sickness and this is something science is talking about so yeah, I started to organize long story short dinners and people started to come. Then people started to ask me to 
uh, to cater for them or to cook for them as a private chef. Then I started to teach and I published a few cookbooks. And that was about 11 years ago here in Amsterdam. Well, that's amazing. It's incredible how the universe just sets us on our path and we end up doing what we're meant, meant to do. And I love that story. And there's such incredible information out there about whole food plant-based. And we know that it changes our microbiome, which is the, the part of us that lives in us that isn't part of us in our in our gut, particularly. And there's just such fascinating information about the uh, microbiome and psychology. There's a whole nutritional psychology, you know, psychological push right now. I've had a couple of guests on about that. So it certainly helps your mental attitude, you know, in terms of menopause. I know, can you address a little bit about how a plant, whole food plant-based diet can help women who are, you know, dealing with things like hot flashes and night sweats? Yeah, so obviously I'm, I'm a chef and I'm a man <laughs> and I'm in a different age. So I would like to say everything was served on modesty and humbleness because no one can speak about it better than, than the woman who experiences it or about to experience it. But uh, I work with a lot of the clients and, and also a lot of my macrobiotic teachers were women who were also around this age. So I know a lot from their experience and I have a lot of respect uh, in general towards women, first of all, because I think there's not enough of women in strong position in our society who are inspiring the world. Uh, so I, I try to be interested and curious about it also because a lot of clients are in this. But uh, what I see, and I, I will talk more from, um, uh, let's say, uh, the, the energies of food, yeah? So less from a scientific view, but in general, um, Eating uh, animal food, uh, if you, in macrobiotics, we, we talk of in food as energies. So the energy of animal food can be very constricting, very blocking. And uh, from the Western point of view, you can see that there's a lot of saturated fat that can be very constricting and very blocking. Um, in this way, um, when, the, when, when women is experiencing their menstruation, energetically speaking, it's once a month, they have the ability to clean and to discharge uh, old energy and kind of to renew new energy. Uh, when this process is stopping, then this energy can accumulate. So with plant-based food, uh, it's easier, let's say, to clean and to, uh, to, to clean the body to bring new energy, let's say. Uh, with animal food, a lot of the energy stays blocked, stays inside, and kind of stays uh, constricted. You say, or mm -hmm. or, uh, or blocked sorry, for my English. No, yeah. perfect. Uh, so it's much more difficult to discharge once a month to get rid of all energy, to get rid of blocked energy, of rigid energy. Um, also emotionally, uh, with plant-based food, uh, you know, plants they grow out and up. And uh, a bit like the energy of the woman that grows up and out, more yin energy. So with uh, plant-based food, it's much easier to kind of maintain this light, feminine energy, uh, flexibility, freshness, uh, certain youth. Yeah, that doesn't make sense, or is it too? No, that, that's I love your I love your perspective. It's a very in different way of looking at it. I mean, from you know my scientific perspective is often about the phytochemicals, the plant chemicals that are in 
um, plant-based foods, which yeah. can sometimes act what's called like a phytoestrogen. So it's kind of acts like an estrogen to actually just, dis- you know, to actually replace some of the estrogen that's going, that's going down. As I said, in Japan, they don't have a, a word for hot flashes. They don't experience as much and certainly less saturated flat, less processed food. Your body is is not having to work so hard, particularly if it's whole foods, plant-based. So that was a lovely explanation. Thank you for that. So let's talk about people are listening and they're like, this sounds really nice, but like, where do I start? Like I'm looking at your book and I'm, I'm super excited to dive in once the garden gets going. I was reading about rutabaga and seeing those beautiful cabbage things. I'm always experimenting because we have a, a phenomenal garden, but how does somebody start moving towards, you don't need to be a vegan, but someone's like, okay, this sounds great, but where do I start? I would say there are two ways, or you learn new recipes that are very easy, that are very easy to apply on a daily basis. Um, And once you add more recipes to your repertoire, uh, your repertoire of plant-based dishes becomes uh, richer. And then uh, you don't need to make maybe the transition in one day because that's maybe too harsh, but slowly, slowly you realize that you are just naturally start to make more plant-based dishes just because you learn more uh, delicious recipes. Another way, which is what I do, I go once a week to the farmer's market or to the biological store, and I just buy um, as many vegetables as possible, just like all the colors, everything that inspires me. Also, like I will get products like beans and grains and tofu and tempeh, and we'll just experiment with these at home. And, um, you know, like buying two big bags of vegetables and fruits, you need to finish them within one or two weeks. So you naturally end up um, eating more of these and they are delicious, you know, like let yourself inspired by all these colors of the vegetables, their taste, their textures, because they are beautiful, they are delicious. Even if you are not eating 100% uh, vegan, it doesn't matter. Um, Just eat more of vegetables and fruits. That's definitely one thing you can do and it's easy it's inspiring it's uh, approachable yeah yeah i love that idea of going and going to the farmer's market or buying new produce trying new things i tried some incredible new fruits in costa rica that i don't even remember their names but they were absolutely amazing and i loved also to think about start to think about meat more animal products more as a condiment like take some inspiration from different ethnic cuisines so that you know maybe you throw a few shrimp into your stir fry or a little bit of chicken if you're making a soup or a stew but you don't have to have this idea like i'm having a hamburger for dinner or i'm having like you know chicken breast or a piece of fish where meats moves from the center of the plate to just becoming maybe a flavoring or even challenging yourself to have like a meatless monday or getting your cookbook or a different cookbook and really picking some recipes and challenging yourself to have as many meatless recipes as you can is also great for the planet, correct? Eating more plant-based. Yes, definitely agree. And uh, and I think um, a good replacement for, for animal products is grains and beans. Uh, so incorporating more whole grains and beans, whole grains and beans give the full protein to the body. So all the amino acids that the body cannot produce by itself uh, are present in whole grains and beans. So if you start to use more whole grains and beans in your cooking, you are uh, more easy to drop the animal foods to the side, and then you have a complete protein in your meal. So that's something that I can really recommend. 
Yeah, Costa Rica was all beans and rice, beans and rice all the time, which was which was lovely. It was very easy. There's a big vegan movement there. So we only have a minute or so left. I want to make sure people can get your book. Um, tell us a little bit about where people can find it, and are the e- the recipes easy or difficult in your opinion? I just counted a few days ago. Out of the eighty recipes, there are fifty four recipes that are with you can make within twenty minutes. The preparation time. So more than 50% of the recipes are very easy. Uh, the pe- people can get it online in any bookstores um, in America or around the world. And in all uh, physical shops that sell English books, you can uh, order it. And it's called plant-based. Awesome. All right. Well, this is here. It is plant-based. It's a beautiful book. Great gift as well. Plant-based, 80 nourishing, unami-rich recipes from the kitchen of a passionate chef. We didn't talk too much about you, mommy, but that's that sort of um, almost uh, uh, like you, can you describe it? It's like, it's comes kind of from Asia. It's a meaty almost flavor. Yes. So we have five taste buds on our tongue. Uh, salty, sour, bitter, sweet, and the fifth one is umami. It's basically means savory, and it's a taste which is present in meat, in cheese, but also in tomatoes, in mushrooms, in miso, in seaweed. And uh, because I'm such a fan of the Japanese diet, I really emphasize this aspect of the umami flavoring dishes. And umami, we taste as something like very comforting, very uh, full in your mouth, very round taste, something between sweet and uh, salty. I- imagine roasted mushrooms or uh, parmesan cheese that's very full of umami. So I just heard my producer and, and actually the break, we have a few more minutes. So tell us a little bit about um, some of the recipes. What are your, some of your favorite recipes in the book? And why did you, why did you write the book? Because I know you have a few other books that you have written and this one's a little different. Yeah, so my second book was uh, called Energy, and then I spoke about more esoteric knowledge of the energies of food, like I spoke with before. Um, and then I realized for certain people, it's a little bit too, um, I don't know, new age or wishy-washy. And I wanted to write a book a little bit from the Western perspective of nutrition. So I looked at the... Um, uh, Harvard's uh, uh, university's uh, medical school food pyramid, and I based it on this and also on the macrobiotic diet and the Medi- Mediterranean diet. And uh, I uh, made like a food diagram, maybe I can show because I have the, the book here, uh, which is basically the, the plant-based diet. So it's whole mm-hmm. grains and vegetables and some extra foods. And then each chapter in the book talks about one of these uh, uh, different groups of food. So like the first chapter is about whole grains and like 20, 30 recipes of what you can make with whole grains because most people don't know uh, or how to cook them or how to make them tasty and delicious and really indulgent. And then you have beans, root vegetables, sweet round vegetables, green vegetables, seaweed, uh, ferments and fruits and desserts. Um, and I wanted to write it because I want more people to just discover how Delicious plant-based cuisine can be, and it's it's really, it's not a punishment. It's not a, <laughs> a like a punishment diet. You can really enjoy it. It can be indulgent. You can impress your friends and your family with this. It's, you know, I've been doing it for 15 years. It saved my life and my health, really. I haven't seen doctors since then. And and it's it's so much fun. It's it's great. You know, I, I like I said, I go to the market. I buy all these vegetables and fruits. They are colorful. They are beautiful. It's full of taste. It's friends who come to eat with me and my family. They're like, oh my God, this is 
even better than the food, than the normal food we have. So, so many benefits to it, and we rarely hear about it in the media. Um, so yeah, I wanted to inspire people to do that more. <laughs> and we should be hearing more. I mean, I think it's just really incredible when we think about how much push we see in commercials and things for things like pharmaceuticals, where if people ate this way, not again, not, not needing to be 100% vegan, but if people really did an anti-inflammatory diet, which again, plants are the basis of that, we wouldn't have things like heart, so much heart disease, cancer, high blood pressure, all of these diseases, but there's not a pill that you can take that does what a whole food plant-based diet does. Yeah. Yeah. Again, sickness and death is part of life, so you cannot prevent everything in 100%, but uh, definitely to 80 to 90% can be prevented, which is huge. You know, like uh, no one there from the food industry and from the pharmaceutical industry has an interest of us finding out uh, how much, how many benefits whole foods plant-based diet has. But it's actually our um, individual, almost egoistic in, in our interest to eat like this. Because once you discover how many benefits it, it, it has, and it's almost being kept secret from us in the media, and, and by, by the industries who, are, who have so much money to, to put commercials for new medicines and for, for new uh, foods out there. But when you find out the benefits, you're like, oh my God, I want to do this. <laughs> and you, when you start to feel them, especially on your own body, when headaches go away, when what I know from other women, menstruation pain go away, uh, when, you, when you can sleep better, when you mentally feel and nicer when your mood is better. It's not only about food. Of course, there is more work to be done on other levels, but food has a, a huge, uh, immense influence on, on how we feel physically and mentally. Yeah. And also, you know, I know a lot of people listening are thinking about their weight and they're looking for that next magic bullet or, you know, diet or whatever it is. But if you eat this way, you eat, can eat so much food. Like last night, I just made a big vegetable soup. And then when we, we just make a raw platter, we just cut up vegetables with hummus. And I was, you're stuffed because plant food has all of this fiber, all of this water. So it fills you up. It takes a long time to eat. So we get full yeah. because our stomach, when our stomach gets full, we um, give off hormones that tell our brain, like, you know, you're getting full as your stomach stretches. And then also it just takes time for your brain to register that you're full. And it takes, takes, a, I'm amazed. Like when I make a huge salad, cause um, my, my man, Kenny grows amazing kale, you know, it'll take us like a half an hour to like eat a big kale salad, but super satisfying, super delicious. Your book is such an incredible inspiration. Um, and I love that you have fermented foods in there, which are again, so so important for your microbiome. Tell us a little bit about the fermented foods, why you put them in there and kind of what that entails, making your own fermented foods. Yes. Yeah, so uh, I don't know in America, but uh, here in Europe, it's a big trend, these fermented foods, but it's been also traditionally uh, used a lot. First of all, the first reason was to preserve vegetables, to keep them throughout the winter. Now we need it less, but uh, a side effect of fermented foods is that they have a certain enzymes and certain bacteria that are very uh, good for our intestines. So it's basically, you know, nowadays in the market, you find probiotics. Right, and supplements. It was, but that's natural probiotics. Uh, products like 
uh, kimchi and sauerkraut and gherkins and uh, miso, shoyu, all the Japanese types of ferments. Um, they have uh, um, very good enzymes and microorganisms that are good for our intestinal flora. And like we've spoken before, when the intestinal flora is in a good condition, uh, the intestinal flora are, are the, the, the environment, the community of microorganisms, of bacteria in, in our intestine. Bacteria is a good thing. <laughs> yes, the right kind of bacteria. We have bacteria. good, we have neutral, and we have not so good. But the, the sauerkraut, the kimchi, the kombucha, all does that. We make, actually make sauerkraut. It's incredibly easy to do. All we do is we grow the cabbage. I think last year we made something like 40 liters. You crunch it up with your hands with a little bit of salt, maybe some caraway. You put it in a big crock and then you put it in jars and you're done. It's super easy to do. I think this year we also made uh, fermented green beans with these amazing purple beans that turn green when we fermented them. And it's fun. I think that's the thing I want to say about this book and about uh, you know, vegetarian, vegan food, it's fun, it's colorful, it's alive. And the more I eat this way, the more I don't really crave or want meat very much. So thank no. you for the beautiful book. Again, the book is plant-based, 80 Nourishing Umami, Umami Rich Recipes from the Kitchen of a Passionate Chef by Alexander Gershenberg. Um, beautiful book would be a great gift. Uh, thank you so much. I can't wait to start cooking from your book. And we're going to take a little break. And when we come back, we are going to be talking to, I'm going to say, Dr. T, Dr. Supatra Tovar, who is going to continue this conversation and really bring in some of the psychology, like me, she is a psychologist and our registered dietitian. And we're going to be really talking about what's wrong with the diet industry, how you can feel good about yourself, listen to yourself, and really um, energize your midlife body so that you can continue on your mission about what you're meant to do here on the planet. You are listening to Rock Your Midlife. We'll catch you on the other side. Welcome back to Rock Your Midlife. I'm so glad that you are here. We're having such a great time talking about one of my favorite topics, eating right, plant-based, how to eat right for your midlife body. Uh, we were talking with um, Alexander uh, Gutenberg about his amazing book, and we're going to switch gears a little bit here, and we're going to talk to uh, Dr. Supatra Tover. She is one of the few clinical psychologists in the country who is also a registered dietitian and fitness expert. Her unique background in integrated specializations allow her to provide holistic mind-body treatment for trauma, eating disorders, depression, anxiety, and more. She has a private practice in Pasadena, and she has created a new, which stands for Advanced Nutrition and Emotional Wellness. It's an educational website dedicated to improving mind, body, and spirit. I love that. Welcome to Rock Your Midlife. So good to have you here. Thank you. So good to be here. And I'm so excited to meet you. I know we were going back and forth with email a lot. I was like, oh my goodness, another RD psychologist. There aren't I know. enough we're, of us. We're rare. I, I, I actually only think there may be like three of us in the country. I, I, I know it's just a, a tiny population. Yeah, but it's so important because when, and I know for me, I became a dietitian in 1993 and I learned all about what, what to eat, what not to eat. Of course, that's totally changed now in the last 30 years, but I didn't know how to get to people to follow my advice and to do it joyfully. So we're going to get dig into that in a minute, but I know before we get into your topic, you have a question for Alexander. I do. I, you know, I think, you know, especially living in Western society, people are so set on uh, meat-based diets. We have keto, we have paleo. It's just so ingrained in our culture. And so I'm curious uh, about your opinion of plant-based 
meat substitutes. I tend to shy away from them because I know it's just a lot of preservative laden. I have no idea what's in there. But what is your opinion on, you know, helping somebody to transition to a plant-based diet using those meat substitutes? So I, I definitely advise against the meat substitutes <laughs> um, because of the reasons that you mentioned. And also we should not forget that it's ultra processed food and everything that I'm promoting is whole foods. So whole foods that still have all the nutrients in them, you know, like whole foods are so smart because it's like a multivitamin with hundreds of vitamin, uh, uh, hundreds of nutrients that are interacting between themselves ultra processed food are not so digestible and are uh, we actually don't know what they do on the long term to our bodies so it's it's a very uh, commercial product i'm um, not a fan of it I've, I've never eaten it maybe i tasted uh, once a small bite and that was enough for the rest of my life um mm -hmm. for me it's 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 not food so definitely so would you suggest no, i'd rather hmm? i'm sorry would you suggest like dr ellen said to make meat more of the, you know, um, not the star, but, you know, the uh, accompaniment to your plant-based foods if you're trying to transition out of a meat-based diet? I mean, <laughs> I guess it's not for me to say to people how to eat and what to eat. I strongly advise to eat a more plant-based diet. I think that like 90% of what we eat should be whole foods, plant-based diet based on whole grains, beans, and vegetables. What you eat next to it, either you uh, decide to be strictly vegan or you still choose to eat certain animal foods. I don't think that animal foods are per se unhealthy um, or bad for you. It's been part of the human diet for, you know, for as long as humankind exists. So, but I think it's definitely better to eat a more whole foods plant-based diet. Yeah, but I can't say to people you should eat meat or not. I mean, it's, it's, it's not for me to say, but what I mentioned before, I definitely see that for me, women who are going through menopause, it can be very beneficial to uh, avoid in, eating more animal products, yeah? Because it has this heavy energy and they cannot discharge this heavy energy once a month. So going into a more plant-based diet, into a lighter diet, also a more round, sweet diet, um, can be very beneficial and can make um, the, the woman feel better, let's say, in her own body, yeah? Absolutely. More relaxed, <laughs> mm -hmm. if, if it makes sense, if I may say so. Oh, yes. Yeah, I would agree. And also those those foods too are tremendously energy intensive. So when we think about the good that it's for the planet in terms of eating more of a plant base, we're not using as much resources. It takes a lot more resources to grow a pound of beef than it does to grow, you know, a pound of beans. But I always tell people, you can also make, you know, your own, like you can make a black bean burger with some grains and some beans and freeze them. And also uh, think about getting an Instapot. Like the Instapot has revolutionized my kitchen. Just Me you too. can throw so many things in an Instapot with some seasoning. I don't know if you probably, Alexander's like, what's an Instapot? It's basically a pressure cooker. So you can cook things really fast, but it's kind of an upscale, safer pressure cooker. So you can make amazing like stews and soups and, you know, you can cook your beans in a fraction and your grains in a fraction of the time things come out. I can make my quinoa in a minute. Um, so mm -hmm. things come out really fluffy and nice. So lo lots of ways, but whatever works.
works for you, I think is the way to go. So let's dive in. I guess before we get into the topic of what's wrong with dieting and what we can do instead and how we can improve our body, but I'm curious, why did you become a psychologist? Like what happened between you being, I'm assuming you became a dietitian first and like me, we're like, I'm missing something here. Tell yeah. me about your journey. Well, I've always been a sciencey person. So I actually was a biology major in uh, college. I was pre-med and kind of reserved that for a while while I became a fitness instructor. Um, I was a Pilates instructor for many years and I found myself being much like a, a counselor, a psychologist uh, to many people. And, you know, out in Los Angeles, we see just so many, uh, you know, patterns of disordered eating and eating disorders. And I started to see a lot of that in my clients. And I've always been passionate about nutrition and food. So I thought, well, if I'm already counseling, I might as well go the next step and, you know, try to help people establish a better relationship with food. Um, because, you know, I just was seeing diet culture, um, you know, wreaking havoc in a lot of people's lives. Um, then I went, you know, to study nutrition, which is, of course, a, an entire journey. And just like you, I realized I don't have the scope of practice to really get into um, the mindset of someone um, who may have developed these patterns of eating. And so I decided to go on to get uh, my doctorate in clinical psychology um, to be able to kind of treat uh, the whole person. And so I felt like that was like the perfect trifecta, you know, having a lot of um, knowledge about you know, physio physi physiology in the body, uh, nutrition, and then psychology, I feel like I'm really truly able to treat a person on a holistic level. So it's it's been life altering for me, best thing I've ever done. Well, good for you. It is so important with, I know before I became a psychologist and or a coach, working with people with eating disorders was, and having an eating disorder myself, understanding that and understanding that it's really not about the food. It's about so many other things. And it's also, okay. you know, the, the crux of it is that we live in this society where we're told that to be beautiful and even acceptable, we have to be this thin ideal. And then mm -hmm. in order to do that, we have to be on this unhealthy diet, chronic spiral. Can you talk to that a little bit about why our society is so toxic in terms of this diet culture? Absolutely. Um, we are basically driven by two biases. One is lookism, which is like what you said, we, you know, idealize this kind of, you know, impossible thin ideal, uh, or, you know, kind of manly muscular ideal for men. Um, and we are also driven by weightism, which is, you know, bias against people who are considered overweight or obese. Um, you know, uh, weightism vilifies anyone who has any bit of over, you know, any bit of fat or who are considered overweight. Um, and certainly even worse for people who are considered obese. So people are driven, um, you know, mainly out of fear of being stigmatized for being, you know, uh, this weight to go into, you know, idealizing and striving to be um, like our celebrities, um, like our movie stars, um, like the models that they, that they see. So you see that, and then it's completely driven by an industry that supports that. Um, and that's where you get so many of these diets and, uh, you know, people follow them um, and keep you know, dieting and then failing and dieting and then gaining the weight back, dieting and gaining the weight back. Because I think what is so important to, for me to be able to educate people about is that dieting inherently, physiologically sets us up to fail. 
because we go into these cycles of restriction and our bodies are not meant to, um, you know, withstand periods of restriction. We are like physiologically designed against that. So your body will remember how much fat you lost, how much muscle you lost, um, and will seek to regain it the moment you go off the diet, which is why people will lose weight for a second and then gain it back, and perhaps even more once they go off the diet. And there's a whole bunch of you know physiological reasons for that, um, primarily that you're messing up your hunger and your fullness hormones, um, and then you go into what's called compensatory hyperphagia, which just means you are making up for, which is compensatory, hyper meaning a lot, aphasia meaning eat. You mm. eat a lot after a diet so that, you know, and it's uncontrollable for most people so that you can replenish what was lost when you diet. So it's become my mission to, you know, eradicate dieting as it stands. I, I have actually just launched a course called Deprogram Diet Culture, where I go through a seven-step method of helping people to, um, remove themselves from diet culture and learn how to listen to their bodies um, by, you know, first of all, understanding the, the physiological reasons why diets don't work and helping people to retune into their hunger and fullness. Because if you look at every single diet, it's, you know, designed so that you ignore your hunger signals. And when you ignore your hunger signals, you actually create more, um, you know, cravings and desires to eat, you know, high fat, um, high sugar food so that you can replenish that. But if you were just to listen to your hunger, just to listen to it and eat, and eat when you're hungry, your hunger hormones and your fullness hormones would start to balance out. And that's when you start to lose weight or at least maintain a healthy weight. So it's actually much simpler than, you know, diets. And it's without... Um, you know, the, the pain and the suffering um, that diets inflict on people. So the course is, you know, what I've been using in my therapy office for years to help people with very serious eating disorders. And then it's, it's generalized for the public. Yeah, dieting is really diabolical. I tell my clients that it is the worst thing to do if you want to lose weight. First of all, I tell people, let's not focus on weight because we don't yeah. have control over weight. You have control over what you put on your plate, what you eat, how you eat, but you don't actually have control over what happens with the scale. It's not as dietetic school, we're kind of taught like calories in, calories out, but yes. I have found that's not true. The other thing that happens, which is crazy is that your cortisol levels go up. And when your cortisol <laughs> levels go up, which is cortisol is the hormone of fight and flight. When you are starving yourself, your body thinks danger, starvation. So what it does is the cortisol goes way up, which is that stress fight or flight hormone that tells your body to do two things, to increase your appetite. So once the danger's passed, you're starving. Of course, you're hungry because you're you know, in calorie deprivation. And it also increases fat deposition around your midline, exactly what you don't want mm -hmm. from both a, you know, aesthetic perspective, especially at midlife, as well as mm -hmm. you know, a health perspective. We know that, waste, that the, the weight around the midline is metabolically active and it's associated with things like heart disease. And so it's, it is crazy. I'm always like scratching. I mean, I know how we got here. We got here because of greed, because the diet industry is a multi, you know, billion dollar industry that is precipitated by the fact that people go on them, they fail, and then they fail, feel bad about themselves. I mean, even when, yeah. when I was in dietetic school, you know, we're, we're even pushing this idea that anybody can be a certain size. 
Yes. And I, I think it's so important, you know, to even look, you know, past kind of the macro reasons like diet culture and really kind of look at the micro reasons like what what kind of family dynamics did you grow up in? I think one of my first things I do when, a, when a, somebody comes into my office is I really do a deep dive into their history, into you know their uh, you know relationship to their parents. Um, what kind of messaging did they get? Um, you know, very early on, were they told to finish everything on their plate? Were they you know sit you know told oh you know they're starving children in China and guilted into eating everything? Did, were they you know eating situationally. We always eat at eight. We always eat at noon. We always eat at five, no matter how hungry uh, you, you might be. Or Those we said kinds... to Weight Watchers at age 11. I mean, I've had so many exactly. clients who have been exactly. sent, were sent to, you know, Weight Watchers and deprived of things, you know, their, maybe their brothers got to eat all they wanted to, and they were told to eat in a certain yes. way. It really is yes. diabolical. Yes, so how do, how do someone's listening and they're going, you know, that's me. Hello. I've been on diets my whole life. I'm hitting midlife. It's time for me to change. I can't do this anymore. And the weight's coming on. How do you start working with people? How do you increase self-awareness and self-regulation? Uh, well, like I said, we do the deep dive into childhood. This is also something that I do within the course. Um, you know, after I discuss why dieting doesn't work, we go into that so that we can understand their, you know, most pervasive negative thoughts about themselves and about food, how they develop these ideas like carbs are bad, or, you know, uh, I'm, I'm worthless unless I'm skinny, those kinds of things. We really, um, you know, try to examine, I use cognitive behavioral therapy. So um, what's the evidence that you're worthless unless you're skinny? really helping the client understand on a, you know, more of a cognitive level, but also on an emotional level, how these thoughts are harming them. And once we get that rolling, we then figure out ways to change those thoughts. And I am really big on mindfulness. You and I are like twins. I swear to God, reading about you, we're twins. Uh, I use mindfulness mainly in the form of mantra work to change someone's thoughts. So once we figure out what the core negative thought is, we change it to something more, you know, helpful, um, something more calming, turn it into a mantra, and then we use um, systematic behavior change to help them practice this thought on a regular basis. So I am a huge fan of incorporating tiny behaviors, this great book called uh, Tiny Behaviors by uh, BJ Fogg. Um, and it's about making, you know, say if you're, if you're, creating a mantra, you want to do it for a short period of time at a certain time of day so that you can practice it on a regular basis. So say it's like the moment you wake up, you're anchoring this behavior of, you know, saying your mantra to the behavior of waking up and you say your mantra for two minutes and then you do something, you know, kind of celebratory at the end, like, you know, patting yourself on the back or giving yourself a little high five, doing that every day actually helps you to um, condition yourself into a new way of thinking. So once people get that new way of thinking and they're practicing their eating uh, by being aware of their hunger and their fullness cues, and then I also incorporate mindful eating into that and enjoying uh, the eating process, that's usually how I will help somebody transition out of an eating disorder or disordered eating. Yeah, that's powerful. I have to say, I'm curious how you handle some of the issues I see are 
a lot of women, this sounds crazy, but it's dieting's their thing. And they're like, well, if I'm not doing it, then like, what am I about? Because they put so much of time and energy. I see that. And then I also see when I work with people on a deep subconscious level that um, they are using dieting. First of all, it's concrete. Like I'll deal with this is my problem. And they're right. putting off the rest of their life. I'm, you know, I won't date. I won't get that job. I won't travel. I won't do, I won't enjoy my life till I lose the weight, but they're actually scared of dating, yes. moving forward in their career, traveling, all of those things. And the dieting is kind of like a safety mechanism. So I'm curious how you sort of handle that and also handle the people who say, but, but dieting's my thing. Like my friends, we all died. I mean, I remember being in college and, and, I was like a hundred pounds, like 20 pounds less than I am right now. And I went on a diet with all my girlfriends because that's what we did. We went mm -hmm. on diets. Mm -hmm. How do you address those issues? Well, I think it's got to be a kind of a slow and steady process, especially if it's in the therapy office, right? You, you have somebody who's come in with an ingrained set of thinking um, that they you know, have been incorporating into their life for years and years and years. And I think it's so important you know, they're coming into the office because they know that this is a problem. They are knowing that I have been on this cycle. It is not working. I lose weight, then I regain weight. And it's like a, this endless hamster wheel, this prison. And so they do know that they want to get off of that. They don't know how, because all that they've ever taught, been ever been taught has, you know, you have to diet to lose weight. And once they learn that, no, the way that you lose weight is you listen to your hunger. It's like, light bulbs go off for them. Once they stop having a taboo foods list, once they stop saying, you know, all carbs are bad and they start to incorporate that, they find that they're binging so much less. They find that they have so much more energy. They find that they're feeling so much better. And when they start to feel this way, that's when they propel themselves forward. It actually doesn't take that long, as long as you are, you know, really helping them understand you know, the physiological reasons, as well as the emotional reasons that they went into this kind of diet mentality. And once yeah, they're so free of it, oh my gosh, it's heavy. Yeah it's, yeah, it's great. I know I love seeing people like change like that, but it is. So if you're listening, get some support, check out mm -hmm. Dr. Tovar's site, which uh, where can people find your course? It's a, a new-insight.com, A-N-E-W-insight.com. And the program is called deprogram diet culture. And like Alexander, I created much smaller version, uh, this cookbook called the mindfulness cookbook cookbook for busy people. If you uh, just download that for free on my site, you can get uh, $15 off of my course um, using the code that's in the cookbook. Awesome. Well, I, we only have a few minutes left. I know Alexander has been listening, fascinated. Alexander, do you have a question for Dr. Tovar? I have like 15 questions <laughs> that I would love to write down. Um, I'm just curious because uh, it's uh, really a, I, an eye-opener what you're saying, and I, and I fully agree that diets don't work. So, but if someone, okay, does want to lose weight or does want to go on a diet or change their life habits for, or eating habits, I understand from you that the first way is to improve their relationship with themselves and to have a better positive image of themselves and then naturally what they eat will change but what do they what do you still say to the people what should you eat or what you should not eat or everything is allowed or are there any recommendations of foods that are more beneficial or 
Oh, absolutely. Well, you know, I think it's important to help people kind of decondition the thoughts that there are these good foods and there are these bad foods. That's what creates diet mentality. So I like to open up, you know, their, their palate to everything. But for me, especially my whole goal for anyone who comes in my door is to increase self-awareness. We know how we feel when we've had 80 pounds of potato chips compared to, you know, an amazing, you know, salad with whole grains and millions of vegetables. And when we eat a lot of fruit, we feel differently. Like you were saying, as a dancer, you just started to just blossom um, and your skin problems went away. So when people are increasing their self-awareness, they're also, you know, encouraged to gauge how they feel with certain foods. And as soon as they, you know, start to see that they have tons more energy, their skin looks incredible, their weight is coming off when they're eating whole, nutritious, you know, mostly plant-based right, foods or completely. Just, we're all, we need to wrap it up. But yes, the, the oh, bottom yes. line is do it because you love yourself and you'll feel awesome. Real quickly, Alexander, where can people find you, your website? AlexanderGersberg.com. <laughs> AlexanderGersberg.com. And it's plant-based, awesome book. And Dr. Tovar, where can people reach out to you? A new dash insight.com. I also have a personal website, drsupatratovar.com. Awesome. And, and I know you guys are on social. The information is in the show notes. Thank you all so much for watching. I hope that this has encouraged you to eat more plants and let that dieting mentality go. If you want to reach out to me, it's the midlifewhisperer.com. My new program starts on February 28th. Check it out. Just click on the community page and you can learn all about it there or reach out to me. Thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you next week. Midlife can be challenging. You may be sandwiched between growing kids and aging parents, dealing with menopause or a health issue, and trying to find work-life balance. Or maybe your life looks good on the outside, but inside you're feeling stuck and wondering how to get your confidence, energy, and joy back. Hi, I'm Dr. Ellen, the Midlife Whisperer, and I hear you and I've got you. Think of me as the one-stop shop for all your midlife needs. I'm a psychologist, registered dietitian, nutritionist, board-certified health and wellness coach, and mindful self-compassion teacher. I'm also an author and podcast host with over 30 years of experience empowering midlife women. I provide inspiration and wisdom to help you transform your health, your mindset, your relationships, and your life so you can rock midlife.